I don't understand that personally. The whole anti-Second Amendment stance in the first place, it can't even be present in a, a, a political system where it's it's heavily advocated for the defunding of local police departments. So it's one of those things where, and I bring that up because it's like, well, you can't expect less people to want to own guns when you're taking the protection in their communities away with uh, your law enforcement. Um, so it, you can't have both of them. Either don't defund the police and take our guns, which, I mean, that shouldn't be mutually exclusive. We have a Second Amendment, right? But whatever. We're thinking hypothetically here to use uh, Ben Shapiro's famous word. So it's either don't defund the police departments and let us or, – or don't defund the police departments and, okay, put in heavy uh, gun legislation or – let us keep our guns and defund the police departments. Now, like I said, I wouldn't want those to be mutually exclusive, but if we're talking about two extreme sides uh, of that, like you can't you can't have both of those things. You can't defund the police and then also want to come and uh, come at private citizens and take their firearms because they don't feel protected in these communities that you're taking their, you know, protection away from. Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host, and today we have an awesome interview for you guys with Aaron Fisher and Christian McKenna. These guys are the host of The Governed, a podcast providing a platform for enriching conservative ideas by dissecting current events. Their show also provides a personal angle on decisions made by our government by chronicling the effects it has on the people. Aaron, Christian, how are you? We're good. We're doing great. Yeah, thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Awesome. I'm glad that we could do this. And, uh, you know, I enjoy listening to your show. I used to watch it, but there's something about like the true podcast feel that like you can turn it off and put it in your pocket. Uh, so I'm pretty much listening on Apple podcasts until Apple decides that, you know, crazy white right wingers can't be on there. Um, but I got to say, it reminds me of like political flight of the Concords. <laughs> like it's just, it's hilarious. Well, well with, with Apple specifically, uh, it'd be very nice if they gave us our analytics uh, for once. We have been running since January. We still don't have a single like no, we don't. whatsoever. We can't view our, our viewers on, on Apple. And originally I remember they, they denied our, our podcast for approval and everything. It was this whole disaster. So um, we've, We've got we've got a little beef with Apple to say the least with uh, with that. Look, 
you know, it's hard enough for black people to use the internet. Now we got Apple trying to hold us back. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, come right. on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 46 is just a great president, isn't he? Yeah. I Love mean, that guy. it's, it's guy. been real good. I think I've heard him speak like what? He's been out of the he's been out of the basement for like what three? This is day forty nine of no press briefing whatsoever. They've yeah. they shut him off anytime he has an opportunity to answer questions. The suddenly yeah. it goes poof and the whitehouse.gov screen comes up. We know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just whatever you want me to do, Nance. I, I, I answer to you. <laughs> yeah, now the dog's biting White House staffers, so you know that's all funny. <laughs> The White House staffer probably asked him a tough question. <laughs> the dogs oh, have been trained. <laughs> They've been yeah, trained to yeah. shut down questioning at all costs. The dog was trying to get him to take a cognitive uh, functions test. <laughs> he won't do it. He won't do it. All right. So you guys you guys are big into the current events. So um, a bunch of things drop today. A bunch of things drop every day in the crazy world we live in. Um, so what's what's on your radar? What gets you excited in the news today? Oh, Chris. man. Um, there's so many, especially with recently you've seen House Resolution 1 in terms of, uh, I believe that's the voting rights bill. And also House Resolution 8, which has the Equality Act, that sort of thing, where it talks about how um, it talks about gender and how it should be used and how you can't deny uh, if, I, if they identify with their gender uh, specifically going into public establishments such as like changing rooms, locker rooms and that sort of stuff. Uh, and then we also see uh, recently there was the bill on the floor about having like a national gun registry. For firearms and then Dude. there's George. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's HR twenty seven. I think so. It's, it's yeah. I watched Lauren Bobert rip that bill a new one uh, because we know how how she is with with firearms. She is just. Uh, I think at CPAC she ran a two A 2A, like. Uh, breakout session or something where she spoke specifically about gun ownership because that's a policy we all know she's really big on. That's kind of how she um, started her kind of surge into mainstream conservative uh, pandemonium was with that commercial that she basically released. That's what Democrats call it, uh, a commercial of her um, showing off her, her Glock instead of um, legislating like she's supposed to on Capitol Hill, even though she's one of the most based people in those chambers. Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel that the government, particularly the left, sometimes they're so dishonest. You know, when you're telling lies for a living, you forget, like you got to keep up with all the lies because they've done this kind of double speak thing where they're like, there aren't as many guns. They're trying to make gun owners feel like they're, they're less of you than you think. Um, and they've said numbers as low as 200 million. The last that I was tracking, the NRI was saying there was like 270 or 300 million privately owned firearms in the States. But then this bill and what they're putting out on their websites is like they're looking to register not only newly owned firearms, but all firearms, ammo and stuff. And the numbers that they were projecting were 400 million. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You you said there were 270 million privately owned firearms, but the way that you're legislating, you're saying that we need to register 400 million. So it sounds like there's more guns, you know, like, that come on, people. About, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, there might just be some floating around or something like that. 
I, I, I don't understand that personally. The whole anti-Second Amendment stance in the first place, it can't even be present in a, a, a political system where it's it's heavily advocated for the defunding of local police departments. So it's one of those things where, and I bring that up because it's like, well, you can't expect less people to want to own guns when you're taking the protection in their communities away with uh, your law enforcement. Um, so it, you can't have both of them. Either don't defund the police and take our guns, which, I mean, that shouldn't be mutually exclusive. We have a Second Amendment right, but whatever. We're thinking hypothetically here to use uh, Ben Shapiro's famous word. So it's either don't defund the police departments and let us – or or don't defund the police departments and, okay, put in heavy uh, gun legislation or – let us keep our guns and defund the police departments. Now, like I said, I wouldn't want those to be mutually exclusive, but if we're talking about two extreme sides uh, of that, like you can't, you can't have both of those things. You can't defund the police and then also want to come and uh, come at private citizens and take their firearms because they don't feel protected in these communities that you're taking their, you know, protection away from, obviously. Yeah. And, and you see these, like, again, these trends that everyone's seeing in terms of, for example, with the violence that happened in the summer, um, you also see all these states are starting to get rid of like their, the idea that you have to have a permit or to carry like a firearm on you and stuff like that. Because, and you see that the rate at which people are buying guns now to protect themselves has increased because police departments can't respond to these calls because, you know, again, of the violence that or was they occurring. just don't. They're just like, yeah. Yeah, they just don't want yeah. to deal with it. But it's like, there's if there's obviously a statistic like that or a trend like that that because there's an increase in violence and because they want to defund the police and try to you know basically abolish these police departments which no one i don't think anyone wants to advocate for the abolishment except for like the like extreme leftist but when you see that sort of tre- or that sort of um mentality taking place you're seeing that the amount of which people are buying firearms is increasing and increasing so I think maybe that should be a trend that Democrats might want to take a look at and be like, oh, maybe defunding the police is not such a bad thing. I mean, it is really a bad thing and we shouldn't do it because more people are buying guns. So it's, you know, double standards. Man, I've like, obviously, I know this will result in tremendous loss of life and property damage, but just as an experiment, if if police all took a week off, if they were just like, you know what? We're all crazy, bigots, racists, homophobes, all this stuff. We're all, we all have COVID. We're going to stay home in quarantine for Joe, I've got a series for you. I've got a series for you for that. The Purge movies. I've got them them all on Blu-ray. They're kind of guilty pleasures of mine. They're they're not good movies, but if you want, if you really want to see what it'd be like when you defund the police, go ahead and watch any one of the purge movies and and you'd have the experience everyone's living in freaking fantasy land where they're like if there were no watchdogs no guardians no police then everyone would do the right thing right yeah and uh also what was it called i was just i saw it somewhere my news reels when i was scrolling through instagram today but i i can't remember who exactly posted it but it was something to the fact that like in I think they wanted to like amend the the gun reform bill to where if like an illegal immigrant um, was to buy a firearm that it wouldn't be registered in the national registry for some reason. And I saw that I'm like, so they're willing to restrict guns and be able to list the guns for Americans where, you know, like that 
to show, hey, this is where the guns are if you want to take them away. But for illegal immigrants, you don't want to do that when they're more likely to cause crime in the United States statistically. So it, it's uh, it's crazy, this double your standard. your Biden, please let us in t-shirts. Uh, oh, my God. Don't even get me started on that. Oh, it's people don't. Well, people don't realize two things. One, gun registries in the history of the world, they've only ever been used as a kind of a, a jumping off point to gun confiscation. It's the only thing they've ever been used for. Anywhere they've confiscated guns, they didn't say, hey guys, we want to confiscate the guns. The first thing they said was, we need common sense reform. We need to register these things just so we know where they are for everyone's safety. Because my neighbors are all safer if they know that I have guns. Oh yeah, make that- it public to where your neighbors can find out if you have a gun. Also, if criminals... If they want to go, you know, down the street, they can go, okay, which house doesn't have a gun that I can rob and be okay in? And then they'll choose the house they want to rob without a gun. That's just the nature of of these crazy active shooters that we see so often. And Christian and I have lived in that. We went to a high school where every single year in our four years, there were at least two code reds every year or one or one code red active shooter on our campus. We we understand uh, what that's like basically to know what it means to be a soft target. Why do you have so many of these uh, people like to blame school shootings on guns? Uh, and, and the fact that school shootings they are happening broke, in gun free zones. Yes. That's exactly yeah. what I'm getting at. Um, what, what's so sad is that immediately after something like the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting, for example, which we know was a tragedy was seeing people like David Hogg and Emma Gonzalez be so like, like like they they were being puppeted and they had no idea either used um by by people politicizing that whole thing but if you look at the very root of the nature of mass shootings school shootings where are what are schools classified as a soft target to these these killers they see them as soft targets and they understand that they don't have guns there. What? They've got one or two cops on campus stationed there. They're not going to have guns there, so let's go shoot them up. That's that's the problem that we're seeing. Yeah, and I, I lost one of my friends during the Stoneman Douglas shooting because we went to a campus close by, and I lost a friend, and I know it was a very horrible thing. But when specifically look at, for example, the FBI was flagged twice by this guy. He was flagged twice, and the FBI dropped the ball. You also have a failure of of the communications between other departments to where to going into the school. So again, they blame everything on it's the gun. It's the gun. It's gun. It's not the gun. The FBI, the FBI is, and we've seen a lot of FBI mess ups recently, whether that's the election, whether that's January 6th, whether that's anything we've seen the FBI consistently mess up and there's always a bias in the FBI. So it's just it blows my mind to where it's it seems to always be the gun issue, especially you know David Hogg, and now he's now he's trying to create his own pillow company to try to put out my pillow. Like what is what is the nature? Yeah, how of- did he go from student to guns expert to a pillow manufacturer? How did that? What is he's got a broad range of things going on for him? Just uh, don't don't try and make sense out of the nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. He's seriously student turned gun rights activist turned pillow manufacturer. What a turn of events, I would say. Yeah, natural career progression. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it does. Gun free zones don't make any sense. It, it's ludicrous. 
you know, I, I went to Liberty University when they made the change to allow students to carry on campus, uh, which was freaking awesome. Like, you know why they don't have people running around shooting up the world's largest Christian university? Because teachers, administrators, and students have guns. It's not happening. If you roll up at Liberty University and, you know, just show up in the classroom, you're going to get a couple of shots off before, you know, lights out for you. Um, it's just, it's so ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's like, uh, for example, in prisons, you're not allowed to have any type of, like, drugs that are not given out to you that unless you need to, like, take you for yourself for medical purposes, or you're not to have, like, weed or or you're not to have, have cell phones and specific things, but these type of things get into prisons. So, and that's like, oh, you can't have that. Well, they're criminals. They're going to break the law. They don't care. So just saying that the school is a gun-free zone, people aren't going to take that. They're not going to listen to that if they're criminals. You're just going to be like, oh, that means that's a perfect place to go ahead and shoot up the campus because, I mean, for example, this, I actually have a really, really crazy story, and Aaron knows about this story. So, my old because I'm in a new I'm in a dorm. A lot of crazy stories, Christian. Uh, this is about the dorm, the dorm situation that I had. Um, originally, this is this wasn't supposed to be my original dorm that I'm currently in. Oh, okay. but the dorm I was supposed to get ended up being a dorm where a guy was loading an AR-15 in his room or like loading some gun in his room, and the roommate came out to him loading his gun. He called the police. The police. Um, riot gear came into the room, opened his friend's like room, and the guy like shot himself in his bedroom. Like there's been there have been shootings on my campus, and it's like I wonder why because I don't know. Like it's a gun free zone, so obviously it's very easy to go ahead and take uh, advantage of that. So yeah, it's crazy. When I talk to people about registries, I'm also like. How would you like it if the government was like, if banks went away and we had to keep our money in our homes, you know, so like, and they're like the ledgers, the bank account information or whatever needs to be made public. Uh, so basically your net worth, your salary, whatever was kept in a public registry and people could look up, you know, the houses on Main Street. This one, you know, they might have their money somewhere else, but banks aren't a thing. People keep their money in their house and there's a registry. This guy makes 70000 a year. This family makes 200000 a year. And you could just see it. You could see the houses and, and the things that they had inside via freaking online catalog. It's almost like it's a freaking shopping catalog for criminals or a kill list for Antifa. That's that's exactly that's that's exactly right. I great analogy there. I would certainly say that, that that's the case. These killers, they're cold blooded. We understand that. We understand that there's not an ounce of sympathy or empathy or anything within them. They don't see human life as human life, and we understand this. They're look. These are these are cold blooded killers looking for an opportunity to massacre. Um, and when you have, like you said, a, what's essentially a Sears catalog uh, filled with with targets, targets that oh, I'm just gonna go ahead and I'm gonna shop, I'm gonna shop this one, shop that one. There, it's a shopping list for kills. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Speaking of current events, I I have uh, my wife is white, so our children are biracial. Uh, my youngest is super light. 
when when I'm not with her, I know everyone thinks that she's like, you know, a little white girl. She's got like dusty, sandy blonde hair. She has blue eyes like my wife. Um, so people are always surprised. Was anyone else surprised that like basic white girl, literal princess, millionaire, grieving in the home of a billionaire, Meghan Markle is apparently black. Oh, God. Like, where the heck did this come from? Why? Actor or actress gone royalty, gone woke to this. And she's just coming out all of a sudden. I did Ancestry. I'm black. Like, what? Why else do you think that Donald Trump said that he prays for him, but prays for the uh, for her husband? Because yeah. he knows that she's going to be a handful, especially with all this stuff that's coming out. It's like, why? Like, you gave up your royalty. You gave up everything to come to America to then say. But is it really giving up when you have $25 million waiting for you? No, there's no. You're, that's like, come on. What, yeah, what, is, what does it, the monarchy do these days? Take photos? Yeah, take photos. Uh, you know, just go to like any acres that they want in the world. Like the queen has like is like in the top 10 for like most owned properties in the world is like the queen. So of course they, they're a rich family or whatever. So they can basically say all they want and stuff like that. I know that rip, um, what is it? Piers Morgan. He just got like canceled because of like that whole thing. Uh, uh, that was baller though. He's just like, yeah, I'm done I mean, and walks out. Well, my biggest thing is I remember Piers Morgan was very, very like, anti like gun and i remember ben shapiro went on piers morgan show he's on cnn and finally piers morgan like opened up his eyes went back to the uk and like is now basically like kind of conservative i think piers morgan is in my opinion kind of a an anomaly it's like he's some days he's, yeah. he's some days yeah. he's he's hard left some days he's he's hard right it's like so hard to tell with him i can't i can't get a read on him properly but of course all we're waiting for now we know what we're waiting for we're waiting for those names we want to know who it was that said this uh comment about the possibility of archie oh are you are you worried that dude i I don't never never happen it's totally you know how you can tell here's a test how you can tell that she's lying because all of us no one on earth thought that statement oh i wonder how dark her kids are gonna be her husband's a ginger and to everyone else's knowledge she was just a run-of-the-mill white girl you know (laughs) but like no one she totally made it up no one except for someone that might have had like cognitive decline maybe joe biden said it would have been like i wonder how dark those kids are gonna be (laughs) have you you seen way worse stuff though (laughs) have you googled a picture of her kid like little blue-eyed like yeah, there's uh, there's no that. way, there's no way that someone said that, and and even if even if you look at the situation with um with like the whole oh well this was this was kind of a um, malicious racially motivated comment it was derogatory in the way that she said it because according to her the statement was well according to her according to Prince Harry the statement was oh. Are you worried the child will be born uh, a darker complexion? But if you if you take out the worried portion and just look at it, how I likely would say it was it most likely uh, occurred was, oh, do you think the baby will be dark? 
And if so, I don't think that's that's a malicious thing. That's something I'm probably going to ask my wife one day. Oh, how light do you think the the baby's going to be? How dark do you think the baby's going to be? You think they're going to have my skin complexion, your nose, your eyes, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's just conversations that have that that, that Dude, happen. I got to tell you this story. I don't think I've ever said this story to anyone who wasn't there in my church in Oklahoma. But uh, I used to be friends. I'm still friends, actually. Uh, but we lived in Oklahoma for six years. I, I was serving in the army there. And, um, you know, we got to Oklahoma with no kids. We left with three. So that's what there is to do in Oklahoma. Um, but when I had my first son, James, uh, and even with biracial babies, they're they're usually pretty light in the beginning. Um, but, you know, one, since America isn't actually racist, no one knows or really thinks about that. Uh, but anyway, I, I had one of my army buds. He came to the hospital while we were there. <laughs> And my wife is like trying to rest. So we take the baby in the little, uh, the little thing you can like wheel them around in, in a, you know, it's like a bed on wheels. And <laughs> we get to the end of the hallway where the window is. And this guy, he's like, he's a white dude. He's like, Hey man, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is weird. Like, don't take this the wrong way, but like, when's he gonna like darken up a little? And we just busted out laughing. Oh my you know, we busted out laughing. And when I got back and told my wife, and all three of us busted out laughing, here's the thing this guy, was he racist? Of course not. Of course not. We were really good friends. We, uh, we would go to his home. He would come to our home. Our families and our family's kids would play together. We'd play board games. All They introduced us to Settlers of Catan, one of our favorite games. And it's just like, hey, guys, we've got to live in a world where someone can have a curious thought and actually ask the question. But today, man, he got canceled so fast. This was just six years ago. I was yeah. going to say, you better put your friend on a watch yeah. list. That's why I didn't say his name. He's a good dude. I, I, and also... Yeah, and um, also thank you for your service. I appreciate that. Um, it's really like crazy, you know. Like, especially how is how is it reacting now? Like, how do you think the military is the fact that someone like such as Joe Biden is essentially the commander in chief? I mean, not to generalize, but I believe majority of the military is pro Republican. I'm going to say a majority of the military. So how does how does that work out? How does Dude, I'm glad that it's someone else's, you know, problem and not mine anymore. Uh, what's, what's so interesting about Joe Biden in relation to the military was that that was one of the key um, things that he was running his campaign off of. Oh, I understand what it's like to be in a military family. Oh, I understand what it's like to haul my son off to God knows where on the, on the actual planet uh, and fight whatever war we're, we're currently in. He, he ran this whole thing off of, off of um, military family and, and being a part of that and has done nothing for the military. What are you talking about? They got like, what, the largest army base in the world now is DC. All that extra pay. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> All these National yeah. Guard troops having to drop out of school, probably if their state doesn't have protections, which a lot of people aren't talking about in the media, but... Um, because of how decentralized National Guard units were, I started my, I did 11 years, five in the Guard, six active duty, but the rules are completely decentralized. They run on the state level. You've got the president as commander in chief, but you also have the governor. Um, 
some of these troops jobs are not going to be waiting for them. It's the middle of a pandemic, uh, middle of an economic crisis. So a lot of people are dropping out of school for this. Just to sit around in front of the Capitol and and pretend. Yeah, which is cost the American taxpayer. Yeah, the the parking garages too, which uh, Madison Cawthorn, shout out to him, putting a pizza to those guys. But yeah, like I know that they estimated that it's going to cost like the taxpayer like 300 to 400 million dollars. And they they don't care. Yeah. And the biggest thing too is Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi's thing was like, we don't want to build one more mile of the wall. However, we will put up a wall around the Capitol because we find it necessary. Like all the all the threats or all the things that the FBI said was going to happen or all the events that are the protest for Biden's inauguration, stuff like that. There was only like one Trump protester in DC, uh, a couple other Trump pro I mean, there were a couple other Trump uh, supporters, um, you know, so, you know, wishing the president goodbye, leaving the white house. But otherwise there's, there was no violence after that, nothing. And now they want to keep the National Guard there till like mid March, mid or late March. What are you and talking about? I, I heard there was like two billion dollars of property damage, four hundred officer casualties, including blindness and broken bones and like rapes and murders. Are you sure oh, you weren't that- reading <laughs> the summer? The summer yeah, from that was summer. the summer of love. Yeah, the summer of unity. Yeah, man, I'm so bummed that I missed that. <laughs> Uh, oh shucks yeah. double standards we love double standards but yeah, yeah no I, I I can't believe the the sort of uh, again like I said double standards that every that all these Democrats push forward so like for example Nancy Pelosi being like I want there to be no gender terms in my um, in Congress in the House Meanwhile, has on her Twitter thing that she's a grandma and a dark chocolate connoisseur. Very important, the dark chocolate connoisseur. Grandma, mother, sister, blah, blah, blah. Canceled. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, canceled. And then she should add that to the bio as well. Yeah. And then there's that whole thing with uh, what's it called? She put a thing like all congressmen have to go, congressmen and congresswomen have to go through a metal detector before entering. Uh, that that was just floor. for Lauren Boebert. She was yeah, just for Lauren, but at her. Yeah, but but Nancy Pelosi, you know, she's the speaker, so she gets to avoid those. And when the when the Republicans say that she needs to pay a five thousand dollar fine, uh, what what did the Democrats say? Oh no, she doesn't. That's that's the speaker of the house. She doesn't have to. Double standard. Uh, it's it's always seems to be a revolving thing around the white. Uh, they Washington, D.C. So ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I love watching Michael Knowles' reaction when he saw the wall. He was like, where the heck did they get this? We need this down at the border. They could just pop these things up anywhere. It's non-scalable. I know. I know. They they really do need them at the border um, with, with what we're seeing. Of course, I'm going to plug it again. The Biden please let us in t-shirts. I don't know if you, if you saw that picture, uh, Joe. Yeah. Wonderful picture to see at our at our borders open borders free borders and yeah it's just interesting in in general yeah but so uh, governor abbott if you're watching (laughs) he's not uh and i say watching (laughs) listening yeah man send the texas national guard down there with whatever these freaking walls are Uh, i'm that's not it's not a hesco barrier that's the type of military wall 
you know, which is just like plastic filled with sand. But these things are like, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's a little bit stupid that they're around the Capitol, but if they just have these things on deck, then... Yeah, then they have the Humvees mounted with like uh, machine guns. Yeah, let's uh, let's do that at the border. But you know that's uh, shamed upon, and also all the illegal immigrants that are coming through uh, that are testing positive for COVID nineteen that are you know they're just getting through, and the Biden administration not doing anything about it. So, um, like for example, there was about I remember reading this. It was back in 2018, 2019. There was a border patrol log that was out there saying that Trump's wall is effective. It actually, because there were about 4,000 people a day being caught uh, with the wall. And he said that number was reduced by 70% when the wall went up. And now we're seeing in the United States that there's about 6,000 people a day coming across the border. And you look at the video, because there's videos out there. You can look at yourself. There's videos of caravans of people that when... Border Patrol or the National Guard show up, they stop and put their hands up. They just want to surrender so that way they can get a nice little little note saying that um, – write their names and stuff like that and say, P.S., you need to go back to like Mexico uh, when whenever you're done in the United States. And, <laughs> and they just get to go and do whatever. If you're going to stay, you got to show up to this court date in six years. Yeah, and uh, let's also grant amnesty for 11 million, right? Let's do that as well. Oh my gosh. That, yeah, that catch and release is just, who thought that was a good idea? Honestly, I mean, I know we probably, that I was probably saying that rhetorically, but I think we know who thought of that, uh, of those policies in the first place. Oh yeah. Um, if, if a, if a criminal, a like crazy criminal felon decides to just bust out on the streets, oh yeah, you can, you can be a vicious monster in our society. As long as you come back on so-and-so return to our courthouses, we can have a nice little conversation about the additional people you killed after we let you go. Oh, that's horrible. And I know that, um, so, you know, sanctuary cities are starting to slightly become more popular. And, um, for example, in Portland, Portland or somewhere in Maryland, I believe was a, yeah, I think it's Portland. Portland was a sanctuary city. And I remember watching this specific guy. He's been, he was an illegal immigrant and undocumented citizen, um, that had, had raped four women, and he was going through the whole process or whatever. And I forgot what happened, but they dropped charges on him, I believe. And within like the next month, he was arrested for raping and killing uh, like a 50-year-old woman. So it's like, does, does this not clearly show what sanctuary cities and the crime of which illegal immigrants, you know, uh, what happens to like one out of every three women that come across the border illegally suffer from some sort of like domestic uh, abuse. So it's that's a serious statistical problem. And people don't see that. And they're like, oh, no, we it's, we're, we're America. We take in everyone. Well, if you come here legally, the 40 million people that are waiting to come into this country. Yeah, we, we take those in first. Yeah, it's nuts. So uh, much more lighthearted. We. I was actually listening to one of your guys' episodes, and yeah, I think it's ridiculous that uh, Dr. Seuss is being canceled, which is interesting. The real reason that they're probably canceling Dr. Seuss books, because, you know, for those of you who don't know, they're actually philosophy books. They're, there's a lot of philosophical principles in, in these funny little 
um, Dr. Seuss books, which was part of his genius. But I was listening to you guys and you were talking about some of the bestsellers on Amazon. You can get books by Hitler, Karl Marx's Manifesto. You can get, I love that you threw in Abdullah Azam, who a lot of people don't know, like there isn't necessarily something wrong with Islam, but there's this fringe teaching called Wahhabism um, or Wahhabi and that, that shoots off into a whole bunch of, um, you know, Muslim ideological rabbit holes, but basically that's who becomes radicalized. Uh, but yeah, you can get that book. You can get a whole bunch of those books, but I did not know, like one of you guys said this, Mein Kampf is a bestseller. Yeah. I said it was a bestseller <laughs> and a for best European seller. politics. Oh yes, it's a, it's also car marks too. Just a, it's just a bestseller in general on Amazon. If you look it up, it comes up a bestseller. I typed in Mein Kampf when I was looking for the uh, – Which for, for the, people who don't know, tell tell us, Aaron, who wrote that book. That, that would be Adolf Hitler, of course. Uh, what you a know, lovely guy. The biggest anti-Semite. You to can't make ever. this stuff up. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's crazy. I couldn't believe it. You can go on there uh, and, you know, I said it on the pod, on the podcast, but I'll, I'll say it again. And, and, and you just mentioned Karl Marx's uh, Communist Manifesto. Of literal satanic bibles literal satanic bibles are are available on you know demonic uh stuff is is available uh, on these platforms and they're best sellers that's the crazy that's, part that's what blew my mind i was like what i, I got on amazon and looked i was like no way <laughs> yeah and, and it's also being sold on ebay like original copies of mein Kampf are being sold on ebay it's like there's there's so uh, a children's book that's been up for 80 plus years if you if you really read between the lines though yeah yeah if you really read between the lines it's a racist book however 80 plus years some of these books have been out and they've been you know read for kids especially by the obamas during like the national reading day they were read and you know michelle says that dr seuss is uh obama's favorite book yeah it teaches you everything and obama even brought up um even brought up the sneetches about how it didn't matter whether or not one sneech had a star and the other one didn't. They were both equal, regardless whether you had a star in your stomach or not. So these Canceled. sort of books, it's like that Dr. Seuss literally in that book specifically aimed against racism. And that was like during the time of when just before when like the civil rights movement was starting to take its kick and stuff like that. So the, the Carl, I mean, not Carl, geez, Karl Marx. Oof. Um, <laughs> Dr. Seuss was against racism and for their publishing companies um, and all these other, you know, like Amazon and eBay canceling these Dr. Seuss books. It's absolutely ridiculous. But I would love to thank the news media and those companies for actually doing that because now like the most like 20 rated um, most like sold books are like 12 of them are like Dr. Seuss books. So yeah, they've raised our our book prices. You know, we've got some Dr. Seuss it's a oh viable, viable uh, uh, kind of investment right now. It's like that whole GameStop uh, stock <laughs> boom that we saw with like AMC and everything. Like, you know, when Robinhood decided free market was no longer free, that whole thing, uh, different discussion, different time. But yeah, it, it, it reminds me a lot of that where it's like, okay, yeah, this whole this whole thing that's popular right now is happening. 
So I'm, I want to invest in it. It's just like how I bought some Cara Dune action figures and stuff when uh, Gina Carano was blacklisted, shamed, and cut loose from The Mandalorian. I've, I've got, I've got some of that stuff actually behind me is a Cara Dune action figure. I don't know if you could see it in this, in this corner here, Yeah, but yeah, I'm loaded. I'm loaded with Cara Dune stuff. Yeah. And they cancel these books because they think that, oh, my five-year-old kid is going to know what racism is and, and is going to understand that. They're learning they, racism with the 1619 project that they're being taught six, themselves. They're, 1619 they're, project, the New Jersey governor pushing in five-year-old things, teaching about you know, racial diversity and stuff like that. Like, what is going on? Why are five-year-olds being taught this stuff when they probably don't have any aspect of what racism is? Like, what? I, I'm going to pull a Dennis Prager here and just cut the bullcrap, cut straight to the thing. This is like what I, when I, you know, these people are brave when they speak to me. When, like, I talk to Democrats all the time, it's fine. But when an actual, like, leftist, like a crazy progressive leftist, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm only going to have like two minutes with them. And then they're going to get pissed and cry and scream and like run off or whatever. Absolutely. But I'm like, I got to cut straight to the heart of the issue. You're telling me that Dr. Seuss is the big evil, right? And so maybe if some kid was like super, you know, clairvoyant, just reading way into this thing, thinking about the future, they feel oppressed or whatever. You look at these freaking authors. We've got books and writings of Lenin, Stalin, Marx, um, Mao, freaking Hitler. These people killed over a hundred million people. And so you're going to tell me that Dr. Seuss is more dangerous. It's more dangerous for Dr. Seuss's hatred to take root in the heart of a five-year-old than Hitler's. Like, come on. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. You know, in my eyes, that seems pretty common sense to me, right? You know, no, absolutely not. Because these, because people don't think. They don't have that sort of um, free thought. And especially, when, again, referring back to like 1984 with like, um, with like uh, double think and all that sort of stuff. Like it's completely outrageous. They don't know what they're talking about. And then when someone like us that's done our research, that's looked at both sides of the argument and that find a valid conclusion and provide facts, oh, facts apparently are biased and they can um, go ahead and be fake and made up. But when we bring up facts, they just cry and they just make up an excuse or they or just they try say to shut that down the conversation. Facts are racist. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Great what, one right there. What's so interesting about a curriculum like the 1619 project is that it brews racism. It screams racism because we understand first off that children aren't aware of race until you make them aware. So with that idea alone, we understand that race suddenly becomes this huge issue that, that's being pushed onto uh, our, our youth, basically, from a super young age. And we know that the most effective way of brainwashing people would be start them young. You get them going when they're young, right? So that they can't tell the difference. They're just taught that that's- Their brain is like a sponge. Right, right. So you're, you're engaging in a political uh, curriculum that encourages- it, it goes back to doublethink. This is a system that aims to make people aware of, of racial issues, um, specifically whites. When I, when I say that, I mean whites. 
make these children aware of these, quote, political issues that, that are going on by making them hate their own race on the basis of, of course, their skin color. So uh, it's a it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, you have, yes, this is this is to fight racism, but you're fighting racism with racism, self-shaming whites, making them understand this, first off, wide fragility, uh, Robin DiAngelo meter that we have, a, 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 a spectrum of whiteness, a Coca-Cola's racial sensitivity training. It's bizarre practices that bruise a anti-white um, narrative on kids specifically with this 1619 project. Um, ha- again, having kids feel ashamed of themselves on the basis of their skin color. It's the it's it's pretty much exactly what we saw. I would say um, coming up in the in the in the civil rights uh, era, true civil rights when that actually meant something uh, to people. Where what what did we see going on? We saw we saw a, a system that was going after uh, blacks, African-Americans, okay, telling them, oh, you are less on the basis of your skin color. What are we seeing right now with, with, the, with the training, um, the training to make kids hate themselves on the basis of their skin color? It's the exact same thing. I don't understand how anyone can rebut that. So this, uh, this YouTube video will be released by the time this podcast is released so I can talk about it. But I recorded a YouTube video um, kind of talking about that, like it's ridiculous. It's, it's treating injustice with other injustice. Um, but it's also impossible to win because, uh, uh, Columbia university, they've just announced, you know, that they're doing segregated graduation ceremonies. So you can go to these little like woke to uh, you could go to like a POC graduation. They're doing an LGBTQ LMNOP. Luther King would be quaking in his grave right now if he heard that. Yeah. Oh my God. So they're doing all that stuff. But the the kicker is, if you want to get your multicultural paraphernalia or regalia rather, then you must. It says on their website, it says you must meet this deadline. Um, and of course, we know from the national. Um, african-american history museum that strict adherence to schedules is racist it's 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 propping up white supremacy deadline schedules punctuality all of that stuff uh so in the video i mean i'm you know i'm saying like i've heard the error of my ways cancel culture is good uh but now we have to cancel columbia because you know because they they hold the schedules and it's just it's ridiculous. It's a revolving door of ludicrous ideas. It's, freaking- it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's exactly like, I mean, what you just said proved exactly what I said uh, right with the fact that you fight these these supposedly racist institutions, racist ideologies, racist uh, systemic uh, rule basically with racism. What do we see on our streaming services? Well, before before this whole thing, you used to see movies, right? Now we have subsections that are categorized within black movies, black culture, black businesses, black and, all this. And other you can't culture. turn it off. Pro segregation. It's pro segregation. Yeah. Are are black businesses not still categorized under businesses? Are black movies are are quote black movies still not movies? What's in the name? It, it's a it's a two it's a two word phrase. Okay, 
black movies. They're still movies. So why are we putting, why are we doing a pro segregation? Mm-hmm. If it was the other way around, how would that look? Yeah, man, man, you're, forgetting a, you're forgetting a crucial part. It's only movies that specifically aren't right winged or conservative anyway. Just like, for example, when you had that Clarence Thomas biography movie um, that was coming out on Amazon. And you now that you go on Amazon like movies or Amazon Prime, it says like, sorry, this movie isn't available anymore. Like they try to get rid of him out of one of the museums as like, I guess, sort of like an historical figure for you know, for people of um, color. So that sort of thing, it's like, well, again, double standard. Why is it that someone that's conservative, someone that has different values, but is still someone that made a big move as a Supreme Court justice, as a black black African-American male, why is that sort of frowned upon? Why are we trying to cancel him? Why are we trying to get rid of him? So Again, it's double standard, he, and it's always something that will be taught, and it's he horrible. holds unauthorized opinions. So apparently, yeah, which is also racist. You know, if you're black, then you must believe this. You can do this, this, and this. You can't do this. You can't do that. Don't use that fountain. I mean, uh, uh, the fountain's fine. <laughs> you can use oh whatever fountain you like. <laughs> so jarring about about the current situation, specifically revolving around race, is that we're all for blacks using their voices to speak out about what they're seeing politically or uh, socially until that goes against the establishment. For example, perfect example, someone like Candace Owens, someone like Brandon Tatum, uh, someone like even Bryson Gray with his with his music, which I, I, I bump Bryson quite a bit, so I might be a little biased there, but it's like we're all good with these people speaking out with what they're seeing, um, and with their experience being that skin color in America until it goes against what we want them to say, because we want to puppet a group of people to say a certain thing. We don't want them to have their, their, own, their own opinions, um, even if they are... Uh, even if they fall under this category. So when I look at a perfect example of an actual uh, uh, organization that wants people to, specifically blacks, to kind of leave that whole that whole system, that, that whole uh, system that I just spoke about, I, I, Blexit comes to mind, where we have a we have a, an institution that does not base your value off the, uh, color of your skin. It's all about content of character. Uh, it's about actually caring about like what it means. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So this, this, this whole notion that we're, we're for, we're for these strong black voices, but when you have the strongest ones, you don't, you want to shut them out. That doesn't work. That, that does not work. It's all narrative based. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, so we are coming up on the 50 minute mark. So we're going to close down the, uh, the normal portion of the show, the interview guys, if you want to listen, uh, to behind the paywall, I know one of the things that we're going to throw out there is the most dangerous things that have been canceled. Uh, so if you want to hear that, then subscribe. Well, first like share and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, like the podcast, you could do all three of us a favor if you rate and review our podcast, guys. You guys are rating them, which is awesome. But if you're giving us one through four stars, tell us why. Leave a review. Reviews are awesome. That way we can know 
how to make our show better. If you want to get behind the paywall, then go over to my community on Locals, and you can find that at thejoemobleyshow.locals.com, or you can go to locals.com and search The Joe Mobley Show. Uh, before we go, the last question is always the same. You know it, you love it. Uh, guys, if you could get everyone on earth to read and understand one book, you can't pick the Bible, you can't pick the Quran, you can't pick uh, a prescriptive religious text, what would you choose and why? And well, I guess you can't pick Dr. Seuss because people can't buy that book anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, racist. You said uh, it can't be religious, right? It can be a religious text like my utmost for his highest. It can't be the prescriptive, like the official book of worship for any religion. Um, I would say probably the Constitution, the Constitution of the United States, because uh, that's something that's always been debated on. It's always a controversial thing in terms of what the founding fathers believed, which apparently our founding fathers were racist. That, that That's, you know, wow. Um, so, you know, that sort of thing. I think that people should really understand the Constitution, learn more about it, and be able be more educated on that sort of thing, because I think it'll really set that pavement. So, Aaron, you'll get an extra second to think, because I'm going to double down on Christian's comment here. You know, I've, I've never done this as like a poll, because I think the results would be pretty sad. Um, but Canada's law enforcement has gone off the rails. They're like going into people's homes and arresting them because they're not wearing masks or socially distancing inside their own houses. Um, you know, military and law enforcement... And politicians swear an oath to the Constitution. I did it. I've done it several times. I was in law enforcement. I was in the military. I've got the Constitution there. I've got the Constitution here in my desk. I've got in my trombone case. I've got a pocket copy. I've got the Constitution over my shoulder and the Declaration over there where those, those racist old white people got together and founded the nation that abolished That's slavery. Terrible, terrible country. I know the first country in the history of the world to abolish slavery. Now, granted, every civilization in the history of the world from the garden until the end has had slaves. And guess what? Countries still have slaves. Isn't that nuts? I don't know how Brazil didn't get canceled. Brazil in the triangle slave trade had 12 million slaves. They had many times the number of African Oof. slaves than we did. But somehow Brazilians are fine. I'm not trying to get Brazil canceled. But here's the thing. All of these people swear an oath to support and defend this document. And you know, it, this is the original here. It doesn't have the, uh, the amendments. But the problem with that is how the heck are you supposed to support, uphold, and defend something that you've never read? And I know, I know from my dealings with hundreds of soldiers over the years that they never read the document. And I would read it with them, and we would talk about the arguments from the Federalist, pro and con. You know, they know who Aaron Burr was before Hamilton came out because we talked about his his political discourse from that era. But come on, how how are people saying the Constitution is racist? You've never read it. You have no idea what's in it, and you don't understand the arguments of it. So I'm glad that you picked that. We had to for uh, Christian and I were in AP uh, government and uh, economics in, in our high school. So that was that was a requirement right off the bat. We, we kind of had to know those. It yeah. should be. That's good. Oh, dude, dude, man. I'm going to do a poll one time, like a 
just do some kind of poll, send it, it yeah, out yeah. there. Which, 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 uh, which book would you say is more appropriate for a course requirement? Uh, Robin D'Angelo's masterpiece, Wide Fragility, or the or the Constitution? Uh, that that should be the poll that goes up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron, what do you got? I'm gonna go ahead and say Michael Knowles' wonderful book, Reasons to Vote for Democrat. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if you if you take a look, you'd open it. Great book, great see book. You see why? Um, some might find it. Uh, some some more than others might find it to be a, a relatively quick read, but it's a page turner. Yeah, yeah. It's you you really get invested in it really early on. I'll say this about Knowles's book: he makes some arguments in there that are so complex, but also so simple that you really can't even argue against it. There's literally nothing to say. See what we're talking about here. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he'd appreciate it if people bought that book. He's got a new book coming out. I don't think it's going to be quite as exciting, you know, as the classic reasons to vote for Democrats. Man, I just, how's it going, guys? How people that voted for Biden as we watch the gas prices, gas prices kind of look like a, a clock counting up. They don't look like gas prices oh, anymore. Yeah. You can like sit there. You can sit at the gas station and watch it like a ticker. It's yeah, just going that's, up. That's what I've been doing for me, it reminds me a lot of like an arcade game uh, where it's like <laughs> the amount of tickets. High score. But instead of the amount of tickets you're getting, you're you're paying the tickets with U.S. dollars. <laughs> I'm waiting for that three mark. I'm waiting for that three dollar mark. Yeah. So. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for being on the show. We got Aaron. We got Christian. These guys are the host of a really cool podcast. If you don't know about it, check them out. You can find it wherever podcasts, I almost said, are sold. Wherever podcasts are listened to, you can also check them out on YouTube. Go like, share, subscribe in all of the places. And that show is called The Governed. Guys, it's I, I think it's hilarious. I don't know if you guys mean for it to be funny, but I always laugh when I'm listening to <laughs> the show. You always want to have fun with the it's show. A, always. It's a, great, it's a great time. Uh it's a great time. I said in the last episode that you've got to just you've got to sit back and laugh at some of the policies that, that are being pushed because it's so bizarre. Like uh, for example, before we're coming on, we mentioned, oh yeah, we wanna we wanna protect women's rights. We're a pro-woman country, right? But let's go ahead and dismantle their achievements that they've worked their whole lives for and their sports um their the privacy of their locker rooms and all and all of that let's let's cheapen what it means to be a woman in america yeah it's just nuts so i don't know maybe i can relive my my glory days of athletics if i go to the other team oh wow it's literally the other team (laughs) (laughs) oh man exactly how it happens all right well thanks so much for joining the show i look forward to doing this again and um where can people get in touch with you guys? So we are on uh, Instagram at the Governed Podcast. We we answer back the messages actually. Um, so if anyone has a question for us or something they want us to talk about specifically on the podcast, we'd love any type of feedback whatsoever. And then on leftist Twitter, Jack Dorsey's Wonderland, his playground of Twitter, uh, we can be found at the Governed Pod. That is the name of our little handle there. So, yeah, we're on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.